Monday, September 24th, 2018. You are listening to the Daily Dose Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Clint Daly, coming to you from the Mile High City right here in Denver, Colorado, and we are back again this week to discuss the world of sports with a dose of common sense, which desperately seems to be needed these days in sports. You know, I hope that you enjoyed your weekend. It was a fun weekend of sports. You know, we will be discussing what we learned today in the world of sports over the weekend, but wow, I think one of the biggest things we learned is that you just can't predict what is going to happen in the world of sports. How many surprises did we see? How many upsets did we see? A number of huge surprises this weekend in the world of sports. I'm telling you this right now. And you know, on Fridays, we talk a little bit and we pick some games, we make some predictions. If you were betting this weekend on the world of sports, good luck. Like, I hope you made some money. I hope you didn't lose some money. I hope you didn't lose, you know, your house or your car or anything valuable because it was tough to pick what was going to happen. And it wasn't those games that were right on the edge. It wasn't the close games. No, it was huge, huge upsets. We're going to get to a number of those today on the show. Hey, if you'd like to contact the show, let us know maybe what you enjoyed watching over the weekend the most. We would love to hear from you. Hit us up on email, dailydosesports at gmail.com, or you can go find us over on Facebook or Twitter. Both of those handles are at Daily Dose Sports. If you've got a question, if you've got a comment, if you have some feedback, maybe you have something you would like us to cover on the show, reach out to us, let us know. We would love to hear from you. Like I said, today on the show, we're going to be talking about some of the things that we learned from the weekend in sports, and there was a lot to learn. There were some crazy things taking place over the past two days. I hope that you were lucky enough, maybe you got some time away from work, you were able to sit back and enjoy some of them. Because, you know, when we're seeing some of these things take place that we saw this weekend in sports, you are sometimes witnessing history. You are sometimes witnessing something that you're never going to see again sometimes. That is always the cool part about sports to me. Now, before we get to a crazy day in the NFL, and it was a crazy day in the NFL yesterday, we learned on Sunday that Tiger Woods somehow has come all the way back. He manages to win the PGA Tour Championship on Sunday. And honestly, I didn't think he could do it. I really didn't. Too old, too injured, too much opposing talent. But Tiger Woods, he led all weekend. And on Sunday, he wasn't great. I mean, he shot a one over par 71, but no one within striking distance was any better than he was. So I've got to say congratulations to Tiger Woods. This is truly an amazing comeback story. You know, Last Friday here on The Daily Dose, we did our Daily Dose Top 5, and we counted down the top five athletes that just couldn't overcome their vices. And there's a number of different vices out there. Maybe it was alcohol. Maybe it was drugs. Maybe it was, I don't know, killing people. There's a number of vices out there, right? Whatever. But Tiger Woods was like an eyelash away from being on lists like that. Because don't forget... It was just back in, what, 2014, 2015, we're seeing his whole public breakup. We're hearing about his addiction to pain meds. Tiger Woods was headed down that very, very dangerous slope of, hey, his vices are going to get the best of him. He's never going to be able to come back. He just can't do it at this level. He has let things get too far gone. Tiger Woods comes back and wins his first PGA Tour victory since 2013. Don't forget. He did overcome four back surgeries. And if you haven't seen a clip 
of how crazy the crowd was down in Atlanta. Wow. That was really amazing. The crowd looked like a mosh pit when Tiger finishes his last hole. You could just see this surge of people pushing forward. They just wanted to be involved in the moment. That was Tiger Woods. Pretty amazing way to finish up our weekend, seeing Tiger win the PGA Championship on Sunday. Okay, now he has won one. We can all go back to not watching golf again. You know, I told you that a few weeks back. Did the PGA want this? Because every single week that we saw Tiger in contention on Thursday, and then maybe kind of hanging in there on Friday or Saturday, hey, everybody's watching on Sunday. Now that he's won one, are we watching anymore? I know, I know, the season's you know coming to an end. But is the intrigue still there? Do we care as much? I'm not sure if we do. But hey, congrats to Tiger Woods. Now, let's get over to the NFL because there were a lot of things to be learned from watching the NFL yesterday. The first thing we learned in the NFL is that the Pittsburgh Steelers have apparently had enough of Le'Veon Bell. They know their running back, who is holding out and not playing, is gone. And now the Pittsburgh Steelers say they are going to listen to trade offers and try to salvage I don't know, whatever they can get from him. And you know, this is just a few weeks after they said, there's no way we'll trade him. Now they say they'll listen to offers. But it's a really complicated process to try to move Le'Veon Bell. Here's the thing that Le'Veon Bell would have to do. He would have to sign some sort of a deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers before he could even be traded. And what it makes me wonder is I wonder if the Steelers are seeing their season unravel and get away from them. And they are hoping... Maybe someone comes in, they just offer the moon for him, and then the Steelers can say, okay, I know we have a lot of drama. I know we have drama with our wide receiver. We always seem to have drama with our quarterback. Maybe we can get rid of at least one portion of our drama with our running back. Maybe we can move past that and start focusing on the season at hand because the Pittsburgh Steelers, they are still one of the most talented teams in the AFC, and they don't look like it. And you wonder if the drama is just catching up to them. The question now is, will anyone give up something important? Will they actually make a valid trade offer to Pittsburgh on what is basically a few months rental of Le'Veon Bell? And I don't know what NFL teams are going to do that. I'm not saying they won't. I'm just saying it's going to be interesting to see what NFL teams will pony up. Hey, coming back, we've still got a lot more to get to on what we learned from the weekend in sports. You know, we saw upsets. We saw surprises. We saw injuries. And we saw some referee calls that could have a lasting impact on the NFL. We've still got a lot to get to today. So let's continue with what we learned from the weekend in sports. And let's stick in the NFL. I learned that the NFL is walking a very dangerous line when it comes to protecting their quarterbacks. Now, I have no allegiance whatsoever to the Green Bay Packers. Don't really care about the cheeseheads. Don't really care about the pack in general. But on Sunday... I saw a play during the Packers 31-17 loss to the Washington Redskins that is getting dangerously close to changing the spirit of professional football. Late in the third quarter of that game, Washington faces a second and seven from their own 45-yard line. Quarterback Alex Smith, he drops back. He's sacked by Packers linebacker Clay Matthews. Nothing dangerous there. Matthews doesn't dive at his legs. There's no helmet contact of any kind. He tackles him chest to chest, except for one thing. He lands on top of Smith. The refs throw the penalty flag for roughing the passer because Matthews landed on top of Smith. And then, immediately after the game, the league 
voiced their support for the call, stating that the referees on the field called it correctly. Now, Matthews has already been called for roughing the quarterback three times this season. None of them really look like roughing. And you know, we've talked here on The Dose. We've discussed why these calls are happening. When the league gets sued for multi-millions of dollars, yeah, they're going to step in. They're going to take precautionary measures. They're going to say it's all in the name of safety. And usually, we've seen in the NFL, a lot of times, the officials will come out. They'll call things really, really tight early, especially in preseason, maybe in the first quarter of the season, and then they'll start to back this off. But what I want to watch now is if the league stands on this hard line of no touching the quarterback at all, like we can't touch the quarterback. The quarterback's just going to be a player in the game, but all hands off. You can't ever touch him. You're changing the game pretty drastically. You're going to, at some point, drive away fans. Because that doesn't feel like football here in America. Is the league going to stick to this in the name of what they say safety is? Are they going to stick and say, hey, we are going to protect our quarterbacks no matter what. We don't care if it drives fans away because our quarterbacks are that important. Are they going to stick to their guns on this? Hey, I know we love some offense here. We do. We love seeing these high scoring games. But we do also like quarterback sacks. If you take the quarterback sack completely out of the game, I don't know. I think you're changing the game to an unrecognizable thing. I'm just saying this to the NFL. Be very, very careful. Do not cut off your nose to spite your face. You could end up losing a lot of fans in the process. You know, I also learned that in the NFL, no matter how much we think we know about this goofy league, you can't possibly predict the outcomes of these games. Just talked about this game. The Green Bay Packers were favored by three and a half points in that game against Washington. Adrian Peterson, who we told you, he's probably only going to be good for the nether two or three weeks. He runs for 120 yards, two touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers doesn't look like himself with Green Bay. He's not healthy. He's out there limping around. You can just see. I would bet that Aaron Rodgers probably has a torn MCL and he's just playing with a brace and trying to ignore it. But the Washington Redskins beat the Packers by two touchdowns, a game the Packers were supposed to win. The Houston Texans were a six-point favorite over the pathetic New York Giants in Houston, primarily because Eli Manning has looked so horrible for the Giants. So what happens on Sunday? Eli comes out. He goes 25 of 29 for nearly 300 yards, two touchdowns. The Giants beat the Texans 27-22. Who can predict this stuff? The New England Patriots were a seven and a half point favorite at Detroit on Sunday night. Yeah, that's not how that went. Lions coach Matt Patricia gets his first win and his defense holds Tom Brady to just 129 yards passing with also one interception. The Lions beat the Patriots 26 to 10. The Patriots suffer back to back losses for the first time since 2015. They are now one and two. Yeah, we all saw that coming, didn't we? The Jacksonville Jaguars, they were a 10-point favorite on Sunday in their game against the Tennessee Titans. So what happens in that game? The Titans beat the Jags 9-6 to in a game that sets NFL offenses back, I don't know, to like the 1940s. The Jaguars and the Titans actually combined for 465 yards on Sunday. Ugh, absolutely atrocious. But again, who picked the Titans? Not very many of us. 
And that wasn't it. Because in the biggest upset of the day, we saw the Minnesota Vikings, who were favored by 17 points over the hapless, clueless Buffalo Bills and rookie quarterback Josh Allen. So what happens? The Bills absolutely dominate the Vikings in Minnesota. They pound them 27-6. to The biggest upset in the NFL by point spread in 23 years. And the lesson is simply this. These are professional teams. If you sleep on a team and you don't prepare and you think you have the week off, hey, this isn't college. This isn't high school. You will get beat. It is so difficult as a coach to convince your team that it can happen. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, coach, whatever. Yeah, I'm really sure the Buffalo Bills are going to come into our house and beat us. Yeah, whatever. And you know what? After the game, I actually heard Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer say they didn't underestimate the Bills. They just got beat by the Bills. And you know what that tells me? That tells me it wasn't just the players underestimating the Bills. It was the coaching staff too. Otherwise, Zimmer would come out and he would say, hey, I told these guys all week, you better prepare like this is a Super Bowl. And they didn't listen. A team in the NFL with their backs up against the wall, they're going to come out fighting. And that's exactly what the Bills did. They came out and they took some huge swings and they landed them and they beat the Minnesota Vikings. Mike Zimmer, are you really trying to tell us that you prepared last week for the Buffalo Bills like you were facing, I don't know, the Los Angeles Rams, who you do play this Thursday? Are you really going to tell us that you tried to prepare for the Buffalo Bills like you did for the Green Bay Packers when you were going to see them? Yeah, see, I doubt that. I doubt that you guys were that meticulous. I would just bet you kind of came in on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and you said, eh, we get the week off. We get the Bills this week. Oh, who do we play after that? Oh, we play the Rams after that? Ooh, that's going to be a big one. I can't wait for that. That's on Thursday night, prime time. Yeah, that's going to be a huge one. Yeah, we'll slap the Bills around and then we'll get on to the real business at hand. Yeah, in the NFL, you can't do that. I'm not buying that Mike Zimmer says they prepped like they were really getting ready to play a big time team. I don't think they did. I think they went out and thought they had a week off and not in the NFL. There are too many talented players in the NFL to do that. Even when it's a team like the Buffalo Bills who don't have a ton of talent. You can't tell me they match up with Minnesota. If they played 10 times, they probably only beat them the once, but they beat them. You know, one other thing that we learned in the NFL, we learned that no matter how hard they try, the NFL, they can't just legislate injuries completely out of the game. On Sunday, We saw San Francisco 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo carted off the field with what is sounding like a blown ACL. How did he do it? Let me guess. A linebacker sacked him and landed all of his body weight on him? Nope. A uh, defensive end dove at his knees and took him out at the legs? Nope. He was running down the field and he tried to make a cut. No contact. No anything. He tried to cut. Pop. Done. Jimmy Garoppolo sounds like he's going to be done for the year. Los Angeles Rams cornerback Marcus Peters, he went down with what they are saying could be a torn Achilles. Reports are kind of varying coming out of Los Angeles. We'll see how bad he is, but same kind of thing. Again, surely someone dove at his knees or or took him out at the legs or rolled up on him. No, he backpedaled, he cut, and they're saying there's a chance he could have a blown Achilles. Hey, NFL football is an extremely dangerous game. You can't legislate everything out of it. What next? Hey guys, uh, no more cutting. We're not going to allow cutting anymore. We found too many guys 
blowing their knees out. We found guys tearing their Achilles sometimes when they cut. You just can't do it. It's a dangerous game. Meanwhile, in that Los Angeles Chargers, Los Angeles Rams game that you might have saw on Sunday, one of the best games of the weekend, it was actually pretty entertaining, Chargers punter Drew Kayser got his punt blocked by Rams linebacker Corey Littleton. And as he blocked the punt, he lands on Kayser's leg in the process. A play that is totally legal by NFL rules. As long as you get a piece of that punt, you can crush the punter. Like, it makes no difference whatsoever. If you take out his legs, hey, too bad. You shouldn't have got the punt blocked. That could have been a huge injury. He left for a while. I've heard he's back. It sounds like he's going to be okay. But that could have been a huge injury. But do you know the difference? It's a punter. No one really cares. Can you imagine if that would have been a quarterback? Corey Littleton would be on death row by now, sentenced by the NFL. They would have booted him clear out of the league and had him tried for a felony. But when it's a punter, no one really cares. I don't know. Maybe here at the Daily Dose, we should start like a hashtag punters lives matter. I don't know. Because punters, apparently you can crush them all you want to. Don't breathe on a quarterback though. You breathe on a quarterback, you're asking for trouble. Speaking of Jimmy Garoppolo being out. What do the San Francisco 49ers do now? You know, C.J. Beathard actually finished the game for them on Sunday. But if Garoppolo is done for the year, what do you do? I don't know if C.J. Beathard is like a bona fide NFL starter. I guess we'll see if that's who they're going to stick with. But as is usually the case here at the Daily Dose, you know, we are in the business trying to help people. I do have a suggestion, and I'm just throwing this out there. Think about the San Francisco 49ers right now. They have some areas they need to shore up, right? They've got a number of holes on that roster. And I know everyone in the offseason got all excited. Did you see what Jimmy Garoppolo did in six games or whatever? Yeah. Let's see him do it for 16. doesn't work that way. When you have that many holes on your roster, eventually teams will exploit those holes. And that's what we're seeing with San Francisco this year. So they do have a number of holes they still need to fill, especially on that defense where they just gave up 400 yards, like 38 points to the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. San Francisco is now one and two. Doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon with Garoppolo out for the year. So here's just a suggestion. And again, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm just throwing darts out there and see what sticks. Maybe the 49ers should go bring back Colin Kaepernick. I mean, it's not like he's doing anything. He's rested. He's ready. And you can continue with the Nike ads. Nike, just tank it. Hey, go get some more help for your team in the draft next year. Who cares about this year? It looks like this year for the Niners might already pretty much be over. Hey, coming back, we need to finish up with what we learned from the weekend in sports. We learned that college football saw one of the biggest upsets in history on Saturday. And our college football dream, it's still alive. You got to believe, people. You just got to believe. Just a quick reminder that if you have any shopping to do, you might want to head over to lootcrate.com forward slash daily dose where you can find the latest pop culture collectibles featuring your favorite TV shows, your favorite movies, and your favorite video games. October's Loot Crate theme is now out. It is called Cursed, Haunted by Dark Spirits and Evil Creatures. Sorry, but it sounds like you've been cursed. Fight back against your regrettable fate with an exclusive collection of accursed gear. October's Loot Crate theme features items from Attack on Titan, Gremlins, Evil Dead 2, and American Horror Story, 
Looks like they are getting ready for Halloween over at Loot Crate. But if none of those franchises interest you, remember, you can go to Loot Crate and choose from a huge selection of crates, a monthly subscription of crates, or just individual items. And they have so many things over there, they are sure to have exactly what you need. Of course, the best part about ordering from Loot Crate, when you check out, be sure you type Daily Dose in the coupon box. We are going to get you 10% off of your order, just as a little thank you for listening to the Daily Dose each and every day. So continuing with what we learned from the weekend in sports, and before we get over to college football, we did learn one thing from the world of Major League Baseball because we learned that the New York Yankees are officially going to make it to the postseason. Yes, they've been stumbling down the stretch, but they clinched their spot with a win over the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday. Now we see if New York can hold on to home field advantage for that wild card game that is going to be extremely exciting to watch because it's probably going to be against the Oakland A's. Now, the work is hardly over for New York, but if they are healthy in the postseason, they're going to be a tough out. I don't know. If I were over in that American League, I don't want to see the Yankees. I would rather have seen someone else get in, not them. If they've got everybody back and they're healthy, yeah, the Yankees are going to be tough. Granted, they've got to get through a one-game series. They're going to be tough. Meanwhile, over on the National League side, it's another story because we have three teams basically fighting for two spots. The Milwaukee Brewers, the St. Louis Cardinals, and the Colorado Rockies, they're all still in the hunt. Going to be very, very tight down the stretch in Major League Baseball. And now, finally, Major League Baseball is getting interesting. Gotta love that. Okay, so let's move over to what was a very odd weekend in college football. Now, most of the games involving the top teams were actually blowouts. But then there were those other games that no matter who you were, no one could have predicted how they were going to turn out. And I guess that's one of the things that I learned. No matter what we think we know in the world of college football, we just don't know. Especially when you are dealing with 18, 19-year-old kids. Who knows who's going to show up from week to week? We're just guessing. Let's start with one of the biggest upsets in college football history as the number 13 Virginia Tech Hokies, who were favored on Saturday by 29 points over an FBS team, Old Dominion. Yeah, they got beat 49 to 35. Virginia Tech gave up 632 total yards to Old Dominion. And this was with Old Dominion's backup quarterback, Blake LaRussa, who threw for 495 yards and four touchdowns. What in the world is going on in the state of Virginia lately? I want you to think back and reflect upon the state of Virginia. Think about this. Virginia Tech loses to a 30-point underdog in college football. Wow, like who saw that coming? That's one of the biggest upsets ever. That's not all. Don't forget, the University of Virginia is the first number one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament in college hoops last year. Hey, I know that in West Virginia, It's kind of a tradition to like burn couches when they win a big game. If I'm a Virginia fan, if I'm living in Virginia and I am seeing these monumental upsets take place in my home state, hey, I'm burning something. I don't know what it is. It might be the couch. It might be the house. It might be the capital. I'm burning something to the ground. What in the world is going on in Virginia? And that actually wasn't all of the surprises we saw on Saturday. The number four Oklahoma Sooners, they needed overtime to finally slip past a very tough opponent on Saturday. 
who in the world was Oklahoma playing? Did they face like a tough rival like Oklahoma State? Maybe Texas? Nope. They had to go to extra time to be a military academy because Army gave Oklahoma all they wanted with that option attack. Hey, it is tough. And I'll give Oklahoma a little bit of a pass on this. It's tough to face a team with a scheme that you just don't see. You just, you practice for it for one week. If you're going to face an option team, your best plan is to face them in the first week of the season so that you have the entire off season to practice for that scheme. You could tell. Oklahoma didn't have any practice against that scheme. And as a result, they were in a dogfight that they had no business being in. But they didn't know how to play that option. And Army's pretty good at running that option. Okay, no big deal though. The Sooners ended up prevailing. It was close. They had to go to overtime, but Oklahoma slips past Army. No big deal. Nothing to see here. It wasn't over though. Because then we saw number 14 Mississippi State not get beat, get trounced by Kentucky 28-7. to And the Kentucky Wildcats suddenly look like I don't know, maybe they're a little bit of a contender in the SEC East. You know, when they beat Florida in Gainesville, we kind of all looked at it and said, well, hey, it's Dan Mullen's first year down in Florida. He's still trying to figure some things out. The Gators just aren't very good, and they're probably not. But now I'm starting to look at Kentucky differently because the Kentucky Wildcats are now 4-0. and They're ranked in the top 25. And do you realize Kentucky is rushing the ball for almost 300 yards a game. Maybe they can't do anything else, but they can run the ball down your throat. Again, if it's a scheme that maybe you don't see all the time, it can be very, very dangerous to face them. Number 14, Mississippi State goes down on Saturday. We had another upset because number 15, Oklahoma State also got upset on Saturday. Texas Tech blows out the Cowboys 41 to 17 in Stillwater. Yes, that same Texas Tech team that opened the season with a little bit of a blowout loss to Ole Miss. All of a sudden, Texas Tech beats Oklahoma State. You can't figure out what 18-year-old kids are going to do. Just last week, Oklahoma State gets a big win against Boise State. We're looking at Oklahoma State saying, hey, maybe they're better than we thought. And then what happens? These 18, 19-year-old kids, they read all the media. They get all the pats on the back. They go to the parties. They don't quite prepare the way they should. And they get smacked in the face by Texas Tech. Now, number 20, Oregon, had a little bit of a different situation because Oregon literally had an upset win locked up late Saturday night against number seven, Stanford in the Pac-12. The problem for Oregon, they took their foot off the gas a little too early. The Oregon Ducks were up 24 to seven at halftime. Yes, Stanford came back and they were going to make it look closer than it was, but Oregon was still going to win this. The Ducks still had a three-point lead with less than a minute remaining. All they had to do was run out the clock. Just run out the clock. Take care of the ball. Game's over. And then this happened. Here's a clip from ABC. Verdell again. And he'll work hard to move the step. Ball's out. The ball came out. A fumble recovered by Stanford. Stanford has the ball with 51 seconds left. Sean Barton came up with it. Can you believe it? One of the things that can happen when you're fighting for those yards, 
is you got to be smart and know when to get down. And so while you love to see him fighting for those yards, the last thing you can do is lose the football. So, of course, Stanford goes down, gets the field goal, and then wins the game in overtime. Oregon, people were talking about, hey, Oregon's back. Yeah, they're not back yet. That is a monumental collapse they had against Stanford. It wasn't quite Joe Pasarczyk, but it was close. Like, it was close. Crazy finish in the Pac-12. Somehow, Stanford survives. But, of all these games we talk about in college football, my favorite upset of the week actually took place down in the Lone Star State, where the Texas Longhorns are starting to maybe figure some things out under head coach Tom Herman. They have now beat ranked teams in back-to-back weeks. Remember, last week, they blow out USC. This week, they're facing number 17 TCU, and they beat TCU too. The Texas Longhorns are now 3-1 and one and starting to look like they're figuring some things out. Now, why in the world would I care what Texas does? I don't care about Texas football. I don't care about the Texas Longhorns. But I'm going to tell you why I care about Texas getting this win. Because people, I have a dream. I have a dream where Texas rallies to play their way into a New Year's Bowl game like, I don't know, maybe the Peach Bowl or the Cotton Bowl or something. And in that dream, I have Ohio State dropping a game or two in the Big Ten, and these two meet up, and we get to see Tom Herman and Ohio State head coach Urban Meyer meet before the game at the 50-yard line and, I don't know, probably try to stab each other because the rumor is that Herman is the coach that ratted out Meyer in that whole Zach Smith debacle at Ohio State. Please, I'm begging you, football gods, hear my prayer and make this happen. It would be so amazing if it did. Hey, we've got a very, very busy week here for you at the Daily Dose. We are actually chasing one of our favorite callers this week to see if he can come talk some football with us. We would love to have him join. It's going to try to run that down for tomorrow. Keep your fingers crossed, but it's going to be another fun week here at the Daily Dose. I have to say thank you all so much for listening to The Dose on your Monday. For all of you that share the show, it is very appreciated. Hey, if you're not subscribed to The Daily Dose, wherever you listen, please be sure to click that little subscribe or follow button. You'll be sure you won't miss a single episode. I have to say thank you to JSP. Could not do any of this without you. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a wonderful Monday.